Ray Vanderland, lots of you probably know something about Ray. He talks about the ancient city of Ephesus, around about 50 to 60 AD or so. And in that day, Ephesus was the major metropolitan city. Uh, it's been called by lots of scholars as the New York City of the ancient world, really. A population of around a half a million people, which was a, an enormous city in that day. And Ephesus uh, back then had a few major industries in its day. The primary industry was this goddess. Uh, her name was Artemis. And she was the goddess of childbirth and fertility and the goddess of virginity, sort of all things sexual she was the goddess of. And Artemis really brought home the bacon, uh, if you will, for the city of Ephesus. And you can imagine why all, all the uh, cash flow that she drove into the city. But a very close second to the goddess Artemis when it came to the industries of Ephesus around about 50 to 60 AD was the slave trade. Uh, it's estimated by scholars that roughly half of the Roman world at that period were slaves. You start to do the math on that, we're talking about tens of millions of slaves. Ephesus was really the slave capital of the entire world. Uh, there's really strong support that most of those tens of millions of slaves that were across the Roman world, they probably were brokered, sold, bought through the slave market in the city of Ephesus. And here's how it went in Ephesus 50 to 60 or so AD. And frankly, at every other city in the Greek world at the time, there would have been a place right outside of the city gates where a woman, after giving birth to a child, it was really the city dump. The woman could go to the city dump and deposit, drop her brand new infant and leave her child to die. And mothers would bring their newborns who they didn't want and they would just leave them in this sort of spot alongside the rest of the refuse of the city, and they would die uh, simply due to exposure to the elements. Some would take a few hours, some would take a few days to perish, some even as long as a few weeks, they say, but they would eventually expire and perish. Now you start to do the math on that, and if you consider that there's roughly half a million or so people in the city of Ephesus, it's real probable that there would have been upwards of, get your head around this, a hundred babies a day, possibly even more, who were left to die at the city dump outside the city gates of Ephesus. For all kinds of reasons, every reason you could imagine, mothers would deposit their babies there. Uh, it was a common form of birth control in that day. It was a way to sort of get rid of unwanted daughters as they were uh, an especially a financial drain on families. It was an enormous burden to raise a daughter and a dowry and all that sort of thing it, in a period of time when families were just fighting to survive. There was no margin. And here's how it went. There's this slave market in Ephesus. There's this city dump where mothers would deposit their unwanted babies and the slave traders would go out from the market and they would come down to the city dump outside the gates of Ephesus and they would literally rummage through all of those unwanted babies and they would take them back and they would turn them into slaves. They would raise them and they would turn them into slaves. They would go through the piles of babies at the city dump and they would take whatever babies that they thought they needed now, there's actually a doctor in the day who wrote a book, and it, the book was called How to Choose a Child Worth Rearing. And it was all about 
head size and muscle tone and the width of eyes, the width the eyes were apart or together. And uh, this doctor wrote this book to help the slave traders choose the hardiest slaves. And they would scoop up these brand new infants and they would take them back to their slave compound and they would raise them to be whatever kind of slave that the market was demanding, that's what they would raise the babies to be. They would raise them, some to be musician slaves if they were particularly talented, uh, some of them to be teacher slaves or craftsman slaves or stonecutter slaves. Prostitute slaves was not at all uncommon. Cook slaves, housekeeper slaves, whatever they needed. They would raise these infants to be that kind of slave and then take them to the slave market in Ephesus and sell them for a profit. And so you consider this whole scene. Can you sort of picture it in your head? It's awful, isn't it? But picture it in your head, this enormous slave market where almost every one of the tens of millions of slaves in that day were brokered through in the city of Ephesus. And then you consider right outside of the city gates of Ephesus, there's this depository at the dump for unwanted children. And these slave traders are raising these slaves. And then this guy named Paul, the fantastic Apostle Paul. He crafts a letter to all of the Christ followers. He crafts a letter to the church in the city of Ephesus. That's what the book of Ephesians is in your New Testament of your Bible. It's a letter from Paul round about this same time period, 50 to 60 or so AD, and he writes this letter to the Christ followers in the city of Ephesus. And here's what he says. This is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. This is from the message rendering of the text. It reads like this. Long, long ago, Paul says, and he's referring to God here. He, that's God, long, long ago, he, God, decided, watch this, to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And the text goes on. Paul writes this. What pleasure he took in planning this. What pleasure he took in planning this. Paul says this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavished gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what incredible pleasure he took in planning this. And you hold that text, what Paul is writing about, up against the backdrop of everything that's going on with babies being abandoned, left unwanted, left to die, the slave traders scooping them up and turning them into slaves. And you look at that text and those words that Paul wrote, it's incredibly piercing, isn't it? And it's so piercing because, see, spiritually speaking, you and I were just like those little babies who were left for dead in the garbage dump. That's us. That's us. That's all of us. Our plight was nothing except death. And while those slave traders, they would go out from the slave market at the city of Ephesus, and when they went out, they had plans for those babies, didn't they? They had plans for those babies. Plans to make them into slaves. Whatever kind of slave the market was demanding, they were going to make them into their slaves human beings to be bought and sold on the open market. They had plans. But see, God had quite another plan didn't he? And God's plan was, frankly, the precise opposite of slavery. 
Because God came along and he said, you, all of you, every person on planet earth who ever lives, I take all of you. I take every single one of you and I make you my sons and I make you my daughters adopted through my one and only son, Jesus Christ. And remember what Paul wrote. He took great pleasure in planning that. He took great pleasure in planning that. God took incredible pleasure in planning your and my adoption into his family. He takes all of us. That's stunning. Staggering when we consider it. And that's a, a bleak story, frankly. It is not a pleasant story at all, is it? But this is incredibly relevant to us this weekend as we talk about forging our partnership on the ground in Ethiopia. As we talk about helping families who are adopting and as we talk about building, helping CWA build that Acacia Village project and partnering with that school through CHI to get that well and that fence and that chicken coop and those cattle, get that whole project going at the top of that, what used to be a leper colony, at the top of this hill that now is a school for a couple thousand children. That stuff around Ephesus is incredibly relevant because you see, Paul's words are really our words today because as we partner with all of that on the ground in Ethiopia, we're taking great pleasure in the exact same things that God himself takes great pleasure in. This work of adopting, this work of caring for the widows and the orphans is the closest thing going on planet Earth to what God does with every single one of us. See, all of us who have the privilege of being a part of God's family are a part not because we were born into God's family. Rather, we were adopted into his family. We, none of us were born into God's family. Rather, he scooped us up and made us his own, his sons and his daughters. And he took great pleasure in his marvelous adoptive work of all of us. And so this isn't for us just this little thing we're devoting a weekend to and, and, and then we'll move on beyond it. This is actually becoming part of who we are as a community called Journey Church. We have great hopes for extending the hope of Jesus Christ on the ground in Ethiopia with widows and orphans and the poor of the poor of planet Earth. And we have vision that people, as we partner with CWA, as we partner with that school, as those of us who God might be tapping on the shoulder right now, as we adopt children, as we dig wells, as we build fences, as we start chicken coops, as we build Acacia Village with CWA, as we sponsor children through CWA, that we will hold all of that work up in the air and we will say, look, this isn't about us. This isn't about what we're doing. Not at all. Rather, this is about us getting to be a part of what God himself is all about. The very closest work on planet Earth to the heart of God himself. Because this is exactly what God does. He finds babies, and he finds middle-aged children, and he finds older children, children whose apparent value has been diminished, and he does not ever make us his slaves, nor does he merely discard them like the slave traders in Ephesus would have done with some of the babies who were less desirable, left them for dead, but instead, 
God scoops us up and he adopts us into his family. He adopts them into his family. He takes us as his own sons and daughters, just like some of us will do across the life of Journey Church who go and who adopt children and bring them home and make them part of our family right here. And this work, this project, this endeavor, this long-term partnership, we're talking about until a, 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 a partnership that extends all the way until Jesus Christ himself returns. This work that we're undertaking in Ethiopia is a chance for you, all of you, not just some of us, but all of you, all of us, to have some skin in this game. Lots of skin in this game, in this work that is so incredibly close to the heart of God himself. Some of you, I believe God is nudging to adopt children. Now, I'll be honest, that's not for everyone. It, it just isn't. But for some people, it is. Some of you, you might never adopt, but you'll give money to help people who are adopting. And what a beautiful thing that is. Some of you, I hope, will give significant financial gifts to get that well dug, to get Acacia Village with CWA up and running. Some of you who are particularly administratively gifted, you'll help parents who are in the process of adopting. There is this incredible burden of paperwork for people who adopt. It's unbelievable. And you'll come alongside and you'll say, look, we'll help you put all that paperwork together because it's how God gifted you. It's how God wired you. It's who you are. Some of you, you'll actually go to Ethiopia. You'll actually go over there. And you'll actually see it and taste it and smell it and touch it and feel it. Now I got to tell you that not every one of us can go over there. And, and the people who do go, it's going to be a slow process before they can go. Because in Ethiopia, here's how they say it, there is nothing. Right? There is nothing. And we don't just pick up the phone and say, all right, 50 of us are going to come over and have work for us to do. Like, it, it is not that simple. Some places, the mission field, it works that way. Ethiopia is not one of those places. And so we'll walk along and it will be slow and we will be required to be patient in this process. But some of us will go and build things and help and serve and all the stuff you do on a mission trip. Here's another piece of it. Uh, if 50 people from here wanted to go over there, it's about $4,000 a person to go on a two-week mission trip or so. So you do the math, 50 times 4,000, that's a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? They can do a lot with a couple hundred thousand dollars more than we could accomplish by us going, see. So there becomes this stewardship piece of all of that. We're gonna send teams. We absolutely are. It's vital to this whole partnership, but it's going to develop slowly and we wanna be very, very stewardly with the whole thing. This is not, not even close to a sit on the sidelines opportunity. It just isn't. In my view, in my opinion, under my conviction, this is non-optional ministry for us. We just don't get to sit back and say, yep, that's going on over there, and we're just going to let it go on. It is not an option for us. Because see, this stuff is the very closest work on planet Earth to the heart of God himself. And so I'm challenging you, I'm inviting you to get involved to get in the game. Right now, we're on the ground floor of the whole project. Not much has happened. Right now, teams are forming to lead this partnership, to lead this work in Ethiopia. And it's gonna require that not just a few people rise up and lock arms. 
It's gonna require us all. This becomes part of our DNA. This becomes just part of who we are. And now is the time for you to get into the game and step out onto the field and say, I'm in, I'm on. And you can use the, I'm gonna ask you to pull those cards out of the chair pockets in front of you right now and just tell us who you are, how we get a hold of you, and how you sense you might be involved. If it's adopting, tell us that. If it's putting paperwork together, tell us that. If it's giving money to help people adopt, tell us that. If it's giving money to dig a well or build a fence or build a chicken coop, tell us that. If it's wanting to be on a leadership team of some kind, tell us that. Just tell us. And in the coming days, somebody will be in touch with you and will say, all right, here's what it looks like. We're beginning to forge this process and we will walk forward. Just tell us. And I challenge you, I invite you, do not sit on the sidelines for this one. I want all of us to be able to say together, not just what they're doing in my church, but to go, look, look what we get to be a part of this work that is so incredibly close to the heart of God. Don't miss this opportunity, please. Don't miss it. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads and go to prayer and consider what you're gonna write on that card. Consider what you're gonna say to tell us, I'm in, I'm on. How is God nudging you to be involved? How is God nudging you to get into the game? Just think on that with the Lord and invite you to respond on that card and with the Lord. God, when we think about millions of orphans in Ethiopia, it's overwhelming. It's daunting. It's way beyond what any single individual in this room or in any other room for that matter can do anything about. But God, we refuse to let being overwhelmed be an excuse for us for not stepping out, for not obeying you, for not following you, for not trusting you and so together as a community called journey church we're stepping out and we're saying we might not be able to help millions of orphans we might not be able to alleviate the suffering of all the people of Ethiopia who are suffering but we could be your hands and feet in the lives of a few some one so God I pray that you would give us the courage to do that to not make excuses to not just sit idly by but that you would prompt us to action tangible action and that as this partnership emerges more and more God that it would just be anointed and covered by you suffering would be relieved the kids and adults and grandparents would come to know you because of your work in Ethiopia the 
tens of thousands of people, God, would find hope. And not just hope in the empty promises of a politician, but hope in the God of the universe who never gives up, who never lets go, who never abandons, who never stops caring, but who is present. All the way, God, present, all the way to the deepest, darkest, most horrific suffering we can imagine. You're there. And God, we want to go there with you. We want to go where you are, and we want to be used. So use us, please. And what a privilege it is to be used by you. And what a privilege it is for us to be called your children. Thank you, God. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world. And the church said,